I'm Jeff, I'm one of the pastors. It is uh, my pleasure to be with you. Happy Father's Day to you dads that are in the house. Happy Father's Day to those of you who had a dad. We, um, we're in the summer in the scriptures this year, we're doing Psalms and it is so fun to be in the Psalms. I hope you're taking advantage of it. I hope you're reading it. I've got my little paper version of my booklet. I like checking it off. Are you a check the box person? Yeah. I have the paper version so that I can check it. I can cross off the numbers. Is that you? Yeah, me and you, because we're over uh, 55, that's why. Everybody else is like, paper, what are you doing? Save a tree. No, check a box. That's what I love to do. Um, I hope you're going to jump in and, and do this Psalm, somewhere in the Psalms. Um, we're going to do Psalm 103 today, as Art talked about it, and partly because I picked it, not because it was in our reading, but because it's one of the Psalms that talks about the fatherhood of God. I don't know, those of you that are dads, I don't know if uh, you resonate with this like I did. But it's one of the touch points that got me to a place of my own spiritual depth, which was that when I became a dad, I began to relate to God in a whole new way. It was one of the touch points for me that I began to have this softness of heart toward God. I began to appreciate who God was because I had become a dad and I understood the father heart of God for me. And it was super rich. We just, had, we just painted our, um, our bedroom and it was so sad for me because on the bedroom wall next to my bed was a dirty footprint from my uh, son that had been there for like 10 years. And it was a dirty footprint because, well, when you're a teenage boy, you're dirty all the time. And the reason it was on the wall next to my bed was because he used to do this thing where uh, he would not give us the time of day. He would turn his back on, on us and never speak and grunt. And uh, he, so he smelled and grunt, grunted for like five years. Anybody have a teenage boy? You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and yet something happened late at night. He would come alive because that's the teenage thing, right? So we'd be in bed and he would run in from his room and he would dive in our bed and bury himself under our covers. Six one and just get all close. And so we'd wrestle and try to get him out of the bed and, and be like, dude, no, you know, you had a chance to love me earlier in the day. This is not my time now. Get out of here. And I remember one night he had braced his feet against the wall as I was wrestling with him to try to shove him out of my bed. And he left this big old dirty smudge footmark on the paint. And I, every night I would lay down, go to bed, turn over and look at that smudge mark of my, uh, my six foot one boy. And, uh, and now it's painted over. It's such a bummer. And he lives in another state. So, but man, the heart of God for us as the father of us is a beautiful concept. We're going to explore that a little bit. We're just reviewing that this Psalms Ben had did a great uh, introductory sermon last week on the Psalms. He talked about the, one of the things he said was the Psalms are poems for transformation, poems for transformation. It's this Remember, he just, he lauded sort of the artists and the poets who can help us shape the thoughts and the feelings that we have. Psalms are, are uh, poetry for transformation. And then this quote from a, a, a blog, Desiring God blog, um, that, poem, that uh, psalms are, they're psalms, they're songs, they're poetry, they're musical. And the reason human beings express truth with music and poetry is this, to look at that last two lines, to awaken and express emotions that fit the truth. The Psalms awaken and express emotions that fit the truth. There's an affect to Psalms. They're a worship experience, friends. Psalms, and are a, this is our book of worship. It's the foundation that God gave us, this, these, these musical, poetic uh, uh, 
uh, expressions of worship that will awaken in us and help us express truth, express these emotions that fit truth. And so uh, worship, engaging with God, engaging with these truths, and as Ben said so well in his sermon, he said, this is, these are, they're going to help us get it from the concepts to our head down to our heart and to our guts so that we might receive what it is that God has for us, live into all the truths that these Psalms teach us about God and teach us about ourselves, and we might express them uh, back to him in ways that resonate. I love the Psalms. I love worship. I think this is a really fun series, and I'm glad you get to be a part of it with us. Um, And so we're going to, today, as uh, sometimes I like to do, we're going to all open our Bibles, and uh, I'm going to come down there, and we're going to do a little Bible study together. And so if you would, uh, we'll have the lights will be a little up for you. If you'd grab a Bible, I want everybody to have a Bible. We're going to do Psalm 103, and so I need a a, uh, page number from our church Bibles. Who has a page number? 598. Were you already there? That's amazing. Teacher's pet, that is awesome. 598 uh, is Psalm 103. And, um, and I want you to get everybody to grab a Bible in front of them, even if you have an electronic version, because there's something about the page that's helpful in this. Uh, I've said this before. Um, as you study some of the scriptures, sometimes it's hard with your electronic version to, um, uh, to kind of get all the context around and, and some of the study notes that we have in some of the, the resources we have, a study Bible that has cross-references, and you can see where else does it talk about this, and that it's helpful in a, uh, in, in a book form to kind of be able to do that and to figure out where you are. So I always encourage you to, to have a book, uh, a paper Bible, um, material Bible, even if you are um, uh, most of the time reading in your electronic version. So Psalm 103, and it starts, there's a little subtitle. Do you see it? It's actually in the Hebrew, and it says, of whom? David. David. It says, of David. Yeah. Not all the Psalms are written by David. Many of the Psalms are written by David. I think there's, uh, um, there's a number of, of authors that are mentioned, and... Um, and they think there's probably as many as a dozen or more uh, writers of the Psalms, but David is one of them. And we know some things about David, don't we? What's one thing you know about David? This is King David, King David of Israel. What's one thing you know of David? Somebody tell me something you know about David. He slayed Goliath, great. Did you hear that? He's a man after God's own heart. Yeah. He was far from perfect. He was far from perfect. That, those, are, those are three really good pieces of information about David. He was so far from perfect. It's so great that he was called a man after God's own heart and did all these heroic tasks, and yet he was really far from perfect. I love that. You know that you could write Psalms? Because you are very far from perfect. And so this expresses all of your longing in your heart for God. And, uh, and so, yeah, it says the Psalm of David. And so if you wanted to, you're like, well, who's David? You should be asking the question when you look in your Bible, a Psalm of David, well, who's David? Now everybody knows David. You might be like me, that you, when, you, when I first came to, uh, to church and asked Jesus into my life, I didn't know any of this stuff. So I would read the Psalms and they would say, you know, a Psalm of David. And I'd be like, David, how many Davids are there in the Bible? Back then, I didn't even have Google to help me. Like, I had to just figure out how many Davids, and I'd just start reading. And so, uh, you, you know, you got to go f- figure that out. One of the things you might find early on is that he was a man after God's heart. It says that in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 13. It says that in the New Testament, in Hebrews. Uh, and No, not Hebrews. Um, where does it say that in the New Testament? Acts, Acts 13. And uh, you think, a man after God's heart. What a great way to begin this psalm. 
that the guy who wrote it was called a man after God's heart, a man who wants to connect with God's heart. Isn't that beautiful? You might want to learn about David. So when you start studying this, it raises more questions than answers. You got to start getting, you got to start digging in. You got to start going, oh, well, here's a question I have. Write it down on your margin and then write it down in the back of your book and back of your Bible. Have a piece of paper next to you all the time and then go look it up and study it. By the way, does anybody not have a study Bible that wants a study Bible? A Bible that has resources to help you connect these thoughts? I got a Bible I'm going to give away right now. This is a Bible right here I'm going to give away. This is awesome. NIV study Bible. Who wants it? Who's like, I've never had a Bible I wanted? Do you not have a Bible? Kelly, I'm so excited to give you this. Look, it's leather too. Smell that. Yeah. And look at all the good things in there. There's notes, there's cheat notes. And oh, okay. Little love for Kelly. She gets free Bible today. Okay. Yeah, I got that on sale. So you don't owe me anything. All right. Um, you can learn all about David in there. I bet you could look up David in the back and it would have verses. All right, yeah, it's, there's a quiz. That's how the gifts come, yeah. <laughs> David wrote this. And look at verse one then. He begins it, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Anybody have a different translation than that? Any have, anybody have blessed the Lord? Some of the other two older translations have blessed the Lord. The NIV that we're reading right now uh, is a little bit, um, they translate that to be really readable. And so they're helping translate it in a way that you can understand it. Because if it said bless the Lord, you'd be like, I don't know what that means to bless the Lord exactly. But I actually like bless the Lord. Do you, there are seven words for praising God in Hebrew. Seven words. Isn't that great? What's also fun about seven words is in the Hebrew, seven is actually a symbolic number, which I think is cool. It's a little wink from God that he's like, I'm going to use seven words in the Hebrew as I inspire these writers to talk about praising God because seven is the symbol for complete. Like there's so many ways to praise God. Isn't that kind of a cool concept? I don't think that's numerology. I think it might be a coincidence, but it's seven, seven words. And one of them is this word, this praise the Lord of my soul, praise the Lord my soul and forget not his benefits. That word praise, ready for this? Here's a great, it's great. It's a Hebrew word. Ready? Barak, no way, yes way, right? Oh, somebody's just speaking Hebrew right now. Wait, did you just know that in Hebrew, that whole thing? Yeah. Say it again. Barak, Oh, that just gave me chills. I love that. Um, Barak is the word for praise there, and it does mean bless. Bless is a worship word. Bless is a worship word. Praise, it does mean praise, but it means bless. There's more than that. And so there's, there's, this, there's hymns, old hymns, those of us that have been around the church forever, and I haven't been around the church forever, but I was in the church starting in the, in the, seven, in the early 80s and, and, uh, and late 70s, and there was this song by Andre Crouch called Bless the Lord, O My Soul, and All That Is Within Me, Bless His Holy Name. Do you see it up there in the scriptures? This bless the Lord, O My Soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless is a good word. It's bless is, the, uh, is, is what it's calling us to. See, worship, friends, is about blessing God. I'm just going to make a couple points that we'll have on the screen that you won't miss as we walk through this. But bless is a, worship is about blessing God. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Blessing God is using the word blessing. Now, blessing here means, and literally, the word barak means to be on our knees 
in worship and praise and in thanks. It means to extol one's greatness. It means to humbly recognize the good things about God, humbly on our knees to be before him. That's the specificity of this word for praise. Oh, let me get on my knees and humbly tell God how amazing he is. My whole soul, let my whole soul do that. Bless the Lord. Interesting, right? Blessing, that it would, be, uh, it would use the word blessing. What would it look like to bless God, do you think? What would it look like to bless God? We say, bless the Lord. What does it mean? What do you think? What would it mean to bless him? Honor him, okay? That means kind of recognizing who he is, right? And live, live appropriately to that. Good. What else? What would it mean to bless God? Okay, obey him. Thanksgiving. Love his people. All of this is a, listen to how we're saying it, all of this is a response to who God is and it becomes a blessing to God. Don't you love that? Wouldn't it be great if God, with all his angels gathered around, is saying, oh man, you know what? Rob, my servant Rob, he blesses me. Like I love Rob's life, like it blesses me. Wouldn't that be a great thing for us to strive for, to be people whom God says, about whom God says, they bless me. They bring me joy. They honor me by all of these things. That's how the psalm begins. Bless the Lord O oh, my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me. All that is within me blesses God. Every thought that's in me blesses God. I don't think that means every one of your thoughts has to be a blessing to God because I don't know that that's possible. <laughs> but I think what it means is then every thought that is in you you turn around to honor God, to recognize God, to give thanks to God, to beg God, to rely on God. All that is within me praise his what? Well, I want to bless his holy name. Why do you, why do you think it says that? What do you think that means, that we would bless his holy name? Why his name? Why would we bless his name? What does that mean? What's name mean in, in the scriptures? Anybody know? It's about his character. It's about his reputation. It's about his renown. We're going to become blessing to God's renown. We're going to become blessing to God's reputation. We're going to, my soul is going to speak and is going to act as a blessing to God's renown. We're going to speak and live and be obedient and react according to God and all that he's already done. You go in the scriptures, you look at his name and his renown, and it is a beautiful concept. That God is manifesting himself in the world that he would be, and in fact, in, in the, one, one prophet calls him the famous one, that he'd be spoken of throughout the world. Now we're, all of our heart and soul is gonna be blessing him in accordance with that. We're gonna lift him up. So worship I mean, is about blessing God. So this is the beginning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise his holy name. So that's the beginning of it. And then it says, look at verse one and two, the end of verse two. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and do what? What's it say? 
forget not all his benefits. Now, this is a contrast. You're seeing the contrast. When you read scripture, don't forget English, okay? Don't forget your grammar, and don't forget the construction of the logic. Praise the Lord is contrasted here with forgetting not his benefits. Praising the Lord is contrasted with forgetting not. In other words, praising the Lord is about remembering all that he's done. So it's this challenge. If we're going to bless the Lord, if we're going to be a blessing to God and his renown, we're going to live according to who God really is, then we can't forget all of his benefits. And so while worship is about blessing God, it's then also about not forgetting this good news. Ben mentioned this a little bit. Every psalm you read, you guys, you're going to see that the psalmist is reminding us to get in touch with these truths and saying, do not forget this stuff about God. Do not forget this stuff about God. Do not forget this stuff about God. Why do you think, by the way, we forget the good news? Spiritual ADD. We have spiritual ADD. <laughs> yeah. Why do we forget? Everything natural about us is not leading us. Everything natural, everything in this world is not leading us to remember things about God. It is on us as spiritual people, not lazy spiritual people, but it is on us as faithful, obedient God people to keep reminding ourselves and rehearsing about the truth about who God is because everything in the world will conspire to water that down and have us forget everything. You guys, we cannot afford to be like, that's oh, going to be fine. We can't afford with our kids or our grandkids and our neighbors to be like, oh, they'll figure it out. No, nobody's just going to figure it out. We work toward remembering and rehearsing the truth about God. You see what the psalmist is saying in verse 1 and 2? He's telling his own soul. He's reminding his own soul. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord. Bless him right now, soul. Bless him. Give him honor. Give him glory. And do not forget his benefits. And then look at the next few verses. He goes on to, uh, to, to list this crazy list of benefits. Let's look at it together. Verse, uh, I don't think I have it up on the screen, uh, but if I do, that's fine. But look in your text. Praise the Lord and forget not his benefits. Now look at the list here, verse three. Who, what's the first one? Read it for, with me. Who forgives all your sins. That, by the way, forgives all your sins. How simple a message is this? I could so run out of time right now and all we would do is talk about forgiveness. Church, do you need to remember again this idea? This is God's good news to us. Worship is about blessing God and not forgetting all this good news. And here's one good news. He forgives our sins. The word there, forgive, is that he releases us from our guilt. He releases us from our guilt. We don't carry anymore the guilt of our sin. Well, that'll preach all day long. Next phrase, and who heals all your diseases. Listen, think broader. Think broader than sickness because we know that there's sickness and death in our world and God doesn't always heal the physical part. It's part of our demise here on earth is that we have bodies that are dying. So he doesn't always do the healing thing. We can talk about healing in different conversations. Sometimes he does. Most of the time it seems like he doesn't. But this disease part, there's this concept in scripture, this good news piece that our God, this Yahweh, this personal God who comes in, he meets us in our places of affliction and brings healing to our wounds. Write it down. You can look at it later. Psalm 147.3, he says he binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted and heals them. Come on now. Is that not good news? 
This is the affliction that we're talking about. These are the diseases that we're talking about. It's the disease of the human condition that we're broken and lost and wounded. We use that word all the time. We almost interchangeably sometimes use the word sinful, which means disobedient to God. We also use the word broken and wounded and messed up because that's where our sin comes from, the human condition. This is our God who heals all our diseases. Verse four, and redeems our light life from the pit. Testimony in the church? Anybody been in the pit lately? He redeems our life from the pit. The pit stuck in the hole that we can't climb out of. We're not talking about the, wow, it's been a little bit of a rough time, but I got four or five contingency plans and things are going to get better in the future and I made some investments that are going to pay off. And I, no, we're not talking about that. That's first world problems. I'm talking about I'm in the pit and I can't climb out. Come on, church. Anybody been there? Let's get real right now. And I don't have any other solutions. And every time I try to figure out what the solution would be, anytime I try to climb out myself, I do not have the strength. I'm too broken. I don't have the resources. And I'm lost in this place. This is a God who goes down into the hole and redeems our life out of the pit. He comes and pulls us out because only he can do it. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The contrast between being stuck in a hole and lost and being crowned as royalty is the, 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 the right... David wrote this in a way to go, the, the humility of being thrown in a hole to rot and being next to the king and crowned with love and compassion. What does it say? Is that what it says? With love and, yeah, love and compassion. It's a royal redemption that we're back in to the throne room and who satisfies your desires with good things so that the youth is renewed with the eagle. Don't miss that verse, that phrase. Who satisfies your desire with good things. What are you desiring? What are you longing for? What has God put in your heart? God has put desires in your heart that you might long for the best things and that he would give these good things to you. Now, look at all of that. Forget not his benefits. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your your youth is renewed like the eagles. The eagles soar and is free. That's what we dreamt life could be. This is all the stuff that God brings. Do you see sort of a theme here? Do you see what, I mean, what's, how, what, what, what draws or what kind of puts all these things together, these pieces together? What is this about? It's about redemption. It's about restoring. It's about renewal. Do you see it? That he keeps coming and making things new and right and restoring them to the way that they were supposed to be. And we and our brokenness and our sin and our woundedness and the world continue to to deteriorate and go back and be disobedient, but this God keeps coming and restoring. So worship is about blessing God and not forgetting all of that good news. I think every major milestone in my spiritual journey has been an experience of remembering how good God has been. Now, it is for sure the human condition that we focus on the places in which we do not see God at the moment. Do you resonate with that? 
We don't feel him right now in this moment. Here's the thing I'm asking God for and haven't seen him come through. And we could talk all day long about that, but that is very human to feel that one thing. Church, this psalm reminds us that we also rehearse the truth about the things that God has done, about the things that God can do, not just about the one thing that he's not doing right now and that we're missing, because we only will have faith for the thing that is not yet by remembering and rehearsing the truth about what he has already done. You with me? And so worship is about blessing God, not forgetting this good news. Every time I have been to this place of um, starting to coast, starting to let kind of the depressive nature about my life and this world sort of overwhelm me, God comes through with a major season and experience of remembering. Maybe you need to enter into that season of remembering today and telling the story and proclaiming, let your soul be blessing God with the story of all that he has done. What would that look like for you? To bless God for what he has already done. And here's a list of it. And it goes on, that list continues to go on. Look, the, the Lord works righteousness, verse six, and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord's making things right. We've been wrong, the Lord's making things right. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. It's like, it's like God's done all these things and he's made this way known and he's made his deeds known. That's in the scriptures. So we get in the scriptures to remember those things. By the way, what is the phrase he made his ways known to Moses? Anybody know where that is? What's it even referring to? Anybody, an expert in the Old Testament that understands that phrase? It's connected. Somebody, Kelly, that study Bible is gonna teach you that right there. I'm gonna show you how to find that. Anybody know where, what that, where that is? He made his ways known to Moses. What's it referring to? It's near the Ten Commandments. Terry? It's, bef- it's actually before that. It's, well, it's in the middle of that, actually, yeah. But there's this one, that one phrase is hearkening back to a passage in Exodus 33 where Moses said to God, oh God, we are a people. This is right after the golden calf incident where Moses met with the Lord and, and he said, and, and he delivered all the people across the Red Sea. We're God's people. Yeah, I'm going to go meet with the Lord. Okay. And he went up and met with the Lord and he was so long in meeting with the Lord that the people lost focus. They forgot. And they had a pagan worship, a, a golden calf party. They went right back to the false gods and the ways of living that didn't honor who God was. Moses came down the hill, saw that they were worshiping the golden calf. Remember, he threw the, then he threw the Ten Commandments down on the ground and broke them in his anger. And he went back up and he talked to God and he's like, what is the deal? How are we supposed to be your people? These are the people you gave me? These are what these people are capable of? And Moses said, in that desperation, what was his desperation? in a understanding of how desperately unable we were as human beings to please God, he said, God, what's the hope? Show me your way. Exodus 33, 13. Show me your way. That's what this psalmist is relating to. It says he showed his way to Moses. He said, show me your way. And then what was the way? God said, I will. I'll go with you. I'm going to go with you. 
My presence will be with you. This is the beginning of the story that this is a God who would walk with us through all of that stuff. That's his way. So when the scripture is celebrating, it said, forget not his benefits and lists a whole bunch of things. And it says, and remember the benefit of where he showed Moses what his way was going to be? His way wasn't a whole law full of stuff that was going to make everybody realize how terrible they were and that they couldn't obey it. His way was that he would walk with us and be with us. He said, I myself will go with you. That's good news. That's not, we don't want to forget that. He showed Moses his way. He showed his people these deeds. And it continues to go on. The Lord's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, uh, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Are you guys following me? Do you see it in there verse, yeah. through verse 12? Not forgetting the good news. Not forgetting to celebrate the good news of God's grace, compassion, forgiveness. Do you need that reminder today? that he has taken your sin and he has cast it as far as the east is from the west. Hebrews says he has forgiven your wickedness and has remembered it no more. First John says that he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. This is the good news of what God has done. Worship is about blessing God and not forgetting all of this good news. And then it turns this corner that he is an awesome father. It's about remembering that he is an awesome father. Verse, um, what, what verse is that? 13. As the father, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It's like he's told all of this stuff about the good news to not forget who God is and not forget what he's done, to not forget the benefits of this God. Let's bless him for those things. And then he turns this corner and it's like, oh, it's like a father goes, can you get your head around that? It's like the compassion of a father. Tell me, church, what's the compassion of a father like? Tell me some things. It's love. It is, it's love. It's not trying to do loving things. It's not trying to act like, a, like in a way that might be uh, loving. It is love. What else? What's a father's? Mercy, mercy. What a great word, mercy. Not giving us as our sins deserve, it says earlier, right? What else is a father's love? Nurture. Causes us to flourish. Love those words, good. Sacrifice. Provision, yeah, providing for us, yes. What's that, Jennifer? Patience. Instructive. This is the dad heart of God. This is the Abba Father part of God. This is the daddy part. This is the... I can't tell you how many pastoral meetings in my office end with me having to remind people, think good father. Think good father. This thing that you're wrestling with, this struggle that you have theologically, this this sadness that you're carrying, this undone in your life, this problem that you're facing, this guilt that you're carrying, think 
good father who manifests all these things that you just talked about. Jesus said it on the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus was teaching his people, he said, listen, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will, will give him a stone? Remember this? And which of you, if your son asks for fish, will, will give him a, a serpent or something like that? Which of you, if your son asks for eggs, will give him a scorpion? He goes, if you then, none of you is the point. And if you then know how to give good gifts to your children and you're evil, how much more will your heavenly father give gifts to those who ask him, to his children? You guys, worship is about blessing God, not forgetting the good news that he is an awesome father. Some of you this morning need this reset, this reminder, this intervention really that your God is like the perfect awesome father to you. Now I use the word awesome up there not to be like awesome dude but I use the word awesome from the standpoint that this is a father who is mighty and awesome righteous and powerful and that's the father that you serve and that's the father who has compassion on you and I use the word awesome to say he's a perfect father because some of us didn't have perfect fathers. Some of us had no fathers. Some didn't have perfect fathers. And even those who had great fathers didn't have fathers that were awesome the way that God is. And some of us may this morning need a reset around this idea that we're in a relationship with this God because of his initiative, because of his graciousness, because of his redemption and, and satisfying and crowning and forgiving and all those things that we just read. And we need this psalm to turn us around and receive that good news and rehearse that good news about our gracious and compassionate Abba, as Jesus called him, Dad, Daddy. On the contrary, some of us have allowed distance between us and God because we've seen him as something less than an awesome, compassionate father. We've seen him as a boss or a judge or a tyrant or an ogre or just an authority and not seen him as a dad. As we finish this and worship this morning, I just want to challenge you. Maybe there's two, one of two things that you may need to apply if that if there's been some distance between you and God and that coming back to this understanding of a relationship with our Heavenly Father is helpful for you in your heart toward Him. Maybe you um, need this challenge. I want to invite you to come and to run back into the arms of your unconditional, loving, gracious, awesome Dad in Heaven. That you, just, that you run back into His arms. All of those true things about him that, that you shared of his, his playfulness and his compassion and his, his protection, that all of that is true and that you can come and run and receive his acceptance and his embrace through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You know, the, the, you know this metaphor that when Jesus died on the cross, one of the most amazing miracles that happened that day was that the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Some of you are like, what does that mean? What do you mean the curtain in the temple? 
Well, that there was a heavy fabric curtain that surrounded what was called the Holy of Holies, and it represented the very presence of this holy God, that like the presence of God, like, like God was in that place, like, like, like that's where he was. But he was separated because we're broken and wounded and sinful and disobedient human beings. This was the symbol of the Jewish temple. You come and worship God, but you can't go into his presence. And when Jesus died, the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross for our sin, it says that the temple, curtain in the temple split from top to bottom wide open. What does that mean? Do you see the picture? That the people of God could come running back into the presence of God, dirty feet and all, staining the walls, diving in. The relationship hadn't been close. There there was no way they were worthy of it. They weren't clean enough for it. And yet God said, you come and you run in. I I don't think it's dishonoring God to say that it's like he sits on the throne and we scamper in as children and climb up onto his lap and receive his embrace. If that's not how you've lived in a relationship with God, that I invite you as we conclude in worship, that even today you return to the embrace of your Father and stain the walls and dirty his bed and get in with him because he can't wait to be with you. And the second challenge I have for you is that maybe you need to invite God to father you. You've not lived in that image of God And you need to ask him, God, be my father. Come heal the wounds that I bring into this thing. Come bestow on me my masculinity, my femininity, my my sense of myself. Come father me, God. So as you face the things that you're facing in your life today, the uncertainty of today and tomorrow, whatever difficulties you're facing, whatever questions are unanswered, that you would say, God, would you father me? I can't tell you how many appointments in my office, pastoral appointments, end with a conversation where I say to a dear sister or a dear brother, think good dad. Apply good dad to this experience and allow God to father you because that's how he'll meet you. Well, let's stand together, you guys, as we spend a few minutes concluding our service in response and in worship. Worship is about blessing God, not forgetting this good news that he is an awesome father.